Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe. And this is the Season 2, Episode 18 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Which, you know, I generally kind of screw up. And uh, kind of like doing the awkward, weird thing at the beginning is always mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. This should come out on October 28th, 2019, if I do all the things that I'm supposed to. And uh, that's kind of close to spoopy se- season or yep, spoopy yep. day, you know, very close to Halloween. So, uh, wife is going to make me watch a scary movie tonight. Yeah, should be fun. No, that's awesome. it won't be. <laughs> um, so, we got some non fall beers, um, mm-hmm. but we did get a stout from Pontysaurus Brewing. I-, I went there the other day and I bought it straight from Pontysaurus. Um, so, it says handcrafted and canned by Pontysaurus Brewing. Uh, it's uh, in Durham, North Carolina. Um, to the to be drinking. Uh, love their cans because they're so simple. Uh, so was it what it says on the back is this is an easy drinking dry stout with notes of espresso, chocolate, and burnt toffee. Sounds delicious, but how is it dry? And isn't beer wet? Yes, but this beer is dry. Uh, it's liquid. Yes, dry liquid. You must have to trust. You just have to trust us on this one. I I, I can't read today. Um, let's see. Um, beer is delicious. Delicious is good. Good is nice. Nice is fun. Fun is exhausting. Exhausting is thirsty. Time for beer. Beer is delicious. Drink about it. And I know they have to have an ABV on here somewhere, which I didn't look up before I started doing this whole thing of reading and whatnot because i rock like that um i don't actually see an abv on here so mystery alcohol yeah i'll look for the abv you start telling me what oh no it's 6.2 abv okay okay yeah i mean it's it's pretty good i'll admit it is it is dry there's not a lot of sweetness to it um and that does give it a little bit of like a bittery sour taste like at the end but man, the coffee really comes through. I mean, that espresso is stronger in this than I think some of the coffee stouts we've actually had. Yeah. Like ones that are bragging about that they're supposed to be a coffee flavor. Not as strong as this one. But it's not in a bad way. Like that's that's pretty good. One one thing I can say about Pontysaurus is that they always kind of hit their flavors. Mm-hmm. They they don't always make my favorite beers. Um but they make some good ones. And uh, this is probably one of my more favorite ones. Yeah. I haven't had this one before. Uh, this is a nice stout, though. It really it, is. It, ha- it, it From the can, it has some nice toffee mm-hmm. notes. I definitely get all the coffee. It's got the bitterness. Um, I don't really... Well, let me try, the, try it again. I'm not sure about the chocolate. Okay, there is a hint of like... Like kind of a creamy, chocolatey flavor. Yeah, there. It's almost like cocoa. Yeah, it? I wouldn't like consider it chocolate more than I would just like that bitter cocoa flavor you kind of get with yeah. it. Which is still, it's good. It balances out well. Um, this is actually really nice. Yeah. I, don't, I guess I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I always like try and like critique one thing. It's like, oh, they could do this a little bit better. But this, this is, is super this well is crafted. Yeah, definitely. Not not a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely something, if you like stouts and you can get Ponysaurus in your area, definitely get this beer. It's totally worth it. Um, that said, I'll let you talk about the French toast. Yeah. Yet. Not French toast, the yeah toast. So we got 
Gizmo's Brew Works. Yeah, toast. <laughs> French toast. It's a brown ale. I'll admit, if you didn't get the reference, I didn't either until right before this podcast because Joe showed me the video. But evidently, there's a comedian out there who sings a wonderful little toast song. Yep. It will include uh, it in the notes. It's, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the notes, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say the guy's name right now. It's um, Haywood Banks does a song called Toast with an exclamation mark. Yeah. It's pretty good. You should watch it. But uh, we this one here is French Toast Brown. It is the most important meal of the day. While a beer for breakfast may be frowned upon by some, a breakfast beer is another story. Its ability to awaken the palate for the day ahead or night is unmatched. This brown ale is far from from typical. Its body is light but bready. Notes of maple syrup and sweet sugars meld with cinnamon and vanilla, creating an irresistible aroma and flavor. One sip and we think you'll agree. Yeah, toast. 5.8%. Yep. Um, so it's was a, a whim by, uh, kind of a surprise that my wife's got, <laughs> wife got for me. And I like, uh, so there's another beer that's uh, by Wicked Weed that's a French toast out. And so she got this to kind of, um, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, as she thought I'd like it, uh, yeah. basically. Uh, which I do. Um, it's not my favorite beer. It, it mm-hmm. definitely has the butter and french toast flavor to it it uh, does on the back end it's very sweet up front you really get that kind of like sugar and maple syrup yeah it's a little smooth in the middle and then like yeah you get that kind of bready eggy kind of flavor at the end yeah it's uh it, it's a well-crafted beer for what it's 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 french toast basically it is french toast as a can i'm not hundred percent sure how I feel about it. I don't like it as, as well as the other thing. It's not bad. There's a very interesting flavor combination of this kind of sweet and and bready, but still, you know, it's it's a brown ale. It's still got that bitterness to it. I'm not sure that it would be the thing that I would choose for my mm-hmm. whatever I'm going to do. You know, as far as like beer goes. Yeah, you know what? I, I admit it almost kind of reminds me of like burned french toast like because mm. not, not in the sense of like the bad like oh man it's just ruined but like if you kind of like cook it a little bit too long and it gets like some of those like dark bits at the bottom that's kind of what it tastes like because it's got that bitterness to it that's still sweet yeah i don't uh i, I don't get that and I, i've drank it because I, I had a six pack mm-hmm. i've drank i've drank quite a few of them i don't quite get that um but I, I, I get where you're going with that. And I, I could see somebody getting those flavors out of it. For me, it just, it I don't, I, I love French toast, mm-hmm. but I don't really know that I necessarily want to drink French toast yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's like, uh, shoot, what's that show called? Like Young Sheldon or whatever. I watched a couple episodes over here. It's like, you know, yeah, I, I love a cheeseburger. I'm not sure I'd, I'd drink a cheeseburger shake. Yeah. You know, like... All the flavors are still there, but it's maybe not on its optimal platform. That said, I know a lot of people that like to make French toast with a little bit of beer instead of the water, and this would go great with that. Since it it's already got a very complimentary flavor. Absolutely would. Uh, so, not not saying anything bad about it. It's a great it's a great one, and I I do like the Wicked Weed French Toast mm-hmm. Stout, um, but that has like 
it's a stout with some like flavoring of French toast. Yeah. It's not necessarily like like it doesn't taste exactly like yeah, French toast. Yeah, this is this is French toast, the brown ale, like yeah. in a can. I mean, they nailed it. It is absolutely what it is. If that sounds appealing to you, you should totally drop buy this. Mm. It's, it's a it's a greatly craft it's a well crafted beer. Greatly crafted. It's greatly crafted. Mm. It's a well crafted beer. So, um, let's talk about Halloween tech. Okay. Um, so not that not that I had anything in, in particular, but this, since this is like right before Halloween, mm-hmm. um, I, I went low tech this year for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, put some decorations out front. I think you've seen them. They yep, got yep. some glow in the dark paint on them. Things like that, but nothing like you know. The wife was like, "No, doing anything particular." Mm-hmm. But I saw some things were kind of motion control yeah, that I yeah. thought would be kind of neat, uh, and might go try to pick them up, um, you know, on sale right the day right out mm-hmm. by the morning after Halloween. Um, but I was just wondering, is there anything if you were going to decorate your house, would you go high tech, low tech, or just like kind of somewhere in the middle? And what would you kind of target as like the things that you do? I, I like a mix. I'll admit, my family didn't really decorate that much for Halloween. Our claim to the fame was my mother loved, she loves feeding people. And so she always gets like the full-size candy bars and like passes those out and everything like that. But um, growing up, we did have a couple of streets down a guy who did a really nice mix where, like, the outside of his house kind of had all the low-tech stuff you're used to. Like, the bushes have those, like, fake cobweb things. He's, like, the cotton you spread across them. Uh, decoration, one or two here sitting up. But he had this really big tree that um, was, like, dead. Like, it was hollow on the inside. But you couldn't really see it from, from the other end. And he would always put some little, like, automated jump-scare thing in it. So the kids would walk up the driveway because they can't see it from the front. And then when they get to the right spot, it'll like a little skeleton jumps out or like a, a noise comes out or like a little fake lightning strike or something like that. Um, and I've always thought those are cool. Like I think if you if you go overboard and you use too much automation, you start getting into like the haunted house sort of territory yeah. that like you can't really do it a yard because people see it as they kind of come up. But you get like one or two little things hidden that are just like a little oof, like a little spook right there. That can be good. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I think for me, um, next year, you know, this is the first Halloween in mm-hmm. this house. Next year, what I'll probably do is go low tech mm-hmm. and put things because I have like a these crinolines on the on my fence. Yeah, and so I was thinking about getting some uh, skulls and okay, like, yeah, like yeah. plastic skulls and painting them a little glow in the dark and like mm-hmm. the eye and the mouth area or maybe like s- some streaks on them yeah. making them bloodying them up a little bit dirtying them up and then putting them on all the crinolines like their heads on a pike mm-hmm. um, okay, yeah, all yeah. around like kind of the front of the house and uh, like maybe hanging some stuff like off my garage door that makes it mm-hmm. um, you know like cobwebby and yeah and things like that. Getting one of the, but the only the thing that I was thinking about doing with the tech is getting a motion sensor set of skulls. There's like a stack of skulls I saw at a store that um, they're like thirty bucks, and they'll talk to you. They'll make like sounds, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And then have like a, a show of like bats or something fluttering that are on a motion sensor that'll like. Uh, go off the house or on the mm-hmm. garage door or something. Something that would be fun for kind of kids and trick-or-treaters. Because yeah, yeah. there are the, I, I live in a neighborhood where there's supposed to be some trick-or-treaters mm-hmm. and I definitely see some little kids around and so we've got everything ready for that. Yeah. This year we just put like a couple hay bales, like small hay bales at the front door, some 
uh, Venus, my wife, is super crafty, and she uh, made this like lantern thing with uh, daisy skulls. Mm -hmm. So it's like a daisy, like a fake flower with a glued on like skull in the middle of it, and it looks really cool. Um, So yeah, I I think uh, I I think it's kind of fun to tech Mm -hmm. it up a little bit. I don't know. I might put some motion-activated lights somewhere yeah. that do some things. Not sure, but yeah, I, th- I think I think my realm right now is a little bit of sound. I don't know that I want to go the full Christmas decoration, yeah, yeah, yeah. like pageantry show sort of thing. Yeah, I get that because like with Christmas, it's like you put up your lights early because it's like you get to look at them like all month. Um, or if you're like my family, you know, like two or three months because yeah. <laughs> they don't <laughs> want to take them down. Um, but yeah, Halloween's a really like one and done thing, especially when you start talking about um, the interactive stuff, because you're only going to have people walking on your property one day, you know. Yeah, well, so I I like the the nighttime interactiveness for mm-hmm. that one day. It's kind of fun. It's worth the effort if it's something that's easy to put up yeah, and yeah. take down. Now I know what uh what one guy used to do. He was a little far away, so I only ever went to his place once or twice when my parents like felt like driving to a neighborhood to do trick or treating. Um, but he had a garage kind of similar to yours. He'd park his cars out in the street, and then he'd set up like something inside his garage. Yeah. Oh. And that neat. way, it was a real easy build up, tear down, and you only really had to have it up for like the one day. And like you know, you patch out your candy in there, but it had it would have like a little like, thing or two in it. That's that's kind of neat. That might be kind of fun. Like do like a little haunted house in the mm-hmm. garage. Yeah. I might I might think about that. I don't know if I want to go to that effort though. Yeah. If it's something that's portable and modular that I can do, mm-hmm. maybe that'd be yeah. kind of fun. We're doing we're doing our first year trick or treating too, and we're not going to decorate that much because we we have to do the battle of what the neighbors consider appropriate. Hmm. One of the things uh, I don't think I'll have a problem with it here. Um, it's really more of a kind of a yuppie place. I've already seen it happen in like a couple like mom groups in mm-hmm. in Cary of like. Oh, well, we don't want candy. What about these apple snacks? And you know, I'm bringing my mom up. We're 100 percent gonna have full size candy bars, and oh. she's gonna be she's gonna be like Oprah, just passing them out. Kids come two or three times. Who cares? Full time Snickers for you. Full size Snickers for you. We got to see if there's gonna be like, well, don't you have anything healthy for our kids? So to to battle that, we mm-hmm. we there were some really cheap toys that we yeah. bought that were like. Um, uh, a couple, like, like we spent three dollars and we got like a thirty pack of like little cat ears and, oh, okay. and things like that. Yeah. And so if a mom, it, so we put a little pumpkin, a uh, little pumpkin outside that's blue mm-hmm. to signify that we had something that's not a snack. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got like a little neighborhood organization on that? Uh, no, that's like a thing. This is a thing? Yeah, that's okay. a thing. Never knew and, that. And I didn't either until this year, but the wife did, so. All right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, by, by the way, I got a funny joke to tell you about the wife. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, some people get annoyed by you saying the wife, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's just because they're jealous and afraid of the uh, one wife to rule them all and in the darkness bind them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call back to Lord. All the Lord. other wives <laughs> serve as the one wife. Yeah. Um, so that 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 was um, that was why I said that. Okay. I, I showed that to her last night. She had a she had a uh, crack up about it, but. Um, but anyway, so uh, Venus looked it up, and mm-hmm. that's like a way that you that's signify that you have okay. like healthy snacks or something other than candy, and they can mm-hmm. request that they that you not give candy, gotcha. you give the other thing. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So if you if you wanted to do something like that, you can still have the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unhealthy stuff for the kids that want that, but then for the parents, they're like, no, nah, we don't want to do that. You can give them. Yeah. Yeah. 
I knew um, a girl like that when I was older because um, the they would do like trick or treating events and stuff like that at my mom's school, and she was type one diabetic, so she couldn't really have a lot of yeah. candy. So what her parents would do is that they would basically use the candy as points. Mm-hmm. So they had like a little toy shop that she could like shop at with her candy afterwards to get things like that. That's pretty neat. So yeah, it, it, so I guess there's yeah, there's two ways to address it. I guess if there's a known like signaling system, you take them to just the places you know they won't get candy, or you kind of let them trade in their candy for something else. Absolutely. So moving on, talking about yep. kids and things that kids like. Uh, so you, you know what Son- what uh, Sony's view thing is, right? Yeah, yeah. They've so, got their own little streaming thing going on. Yeah, so, so you can stream games to, you know, remotely. Mm-hmm. And they've had that for a while. Uh, you know, it's big news now that Google's doing it. And yeah, yeah. Microsoft's talking about doing it. And had to throw in the words for the Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal now that other companies are talking about doing it. And people are, you know, getting on the hype train for Google, which being a network engineer, I absolutely know there's no such thing as negative latency. Yeah. That is... Just complete marketing speak. It's false, um, but and they they can say whatever they want to. They can do predictive day AI to help you to to mm-hmm. to automatically play the game for you to overcome latency issues. Yeah. But you can't have something that that surpasses the laws of physics. Yeah. Latency is a measure of. Yeah. They can all they can do is their best to predict, which for a single player game probably works okay. For a multiplayer game, probably not so much. Yeah, maybe. Especially the more complicated ones. So that that said, um, the they're thinking about selling it possibly, mm-hmm. and if they sell it and somebody tanks it, or you know, what about all those games or things that people bought yeah. on view that that um, they had? Now I don't know if that'll end up happening. So I'm not I'm not saying that Sony's gonna sell View, mm-hmm. but to me, and this is why I wanted to talk about this because we've talked about streaming platforms and you know pay to to yeah. be able to access apps and stuff like that. To me, this is the epitome of software as a service for the consumer. It takes away all the consumer rights and abilities to use the things that they've paid for for an extended amount of time past what the, um, or in ways that are different than what the people that mm-hmm. made that thing originally intended. Yeah, it's it does open up a lot of questions, because you're right, what if they sell it? Are their games going to be honored if they're not? You know, what if they tank? You know, and, and companies try and get around that. You know, I think of the Disney streaming service that's coming out. Um, you know, they've said, oh, well, if you if you buy something from us and then we take it off the store, It'll still be available to you um, through our streaming service, but then that's the asterisk, right? Through the streaming service, right? Exactly. So, what if you, what if the streaming service goes under? Are you going to mail me copies of, of physical DVDs? Yeah, probably not. Um, they're just going to go away. And yeah, it's a, it's really up there with the way like software goes nowadays. I mean, a, a product can last for fifteen years. It can last for fifteen months. You know, it, maybe not even that long. I think about um, my wife used to play this like Sailor Moon like mobile game, and it was really popular with like a, a core set of people. And you know, they spent all the money on it, and they played all the games, they got all the high scores, and the game just went under. And yeah. it's like, okay, well now it's just gone. You know, there so, is no well, I'll just play it on my own. You know, it's gone now because it was an app on the App Store. You know, 
To to a certain degree, I understand that. Like I've spent a ton of money on like World of Warcraft. I'm not mm-hmm. playing that right now because you know of my moral objections to Blizzard's actions. Yeah. Um, but the 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 real crux of all that comes down to if World of Warcraft went away or they make an iteration of World of Warcraft that makes it completely different than the discs that I bought mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Um, I can't just like install that on another computer. That seems like a waste of money to me. Yeah. And it also, it's made it so that if Blizzard ever decides to cancel Diablo 3 mm. or turn off their servers for that, I can't play that game standalone. Yeah. You know, same, same thing for some other things. So I really have a a problem with um, the the way that we're headed as far as like software, you know, the Office 365 platform, you know, all, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. I still have copies of Microsoft Office that work from, you know, five, six years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I can install them on any machine that will run 32-bit software. And while I don't necessarily think that I necessarily – should use those programs, I still have the right to do it. Mm-hmm. And that is that is important to me. But, um, you know, like some old copies of Windows and some old video games uh, have problems with being able to be, um, to, to, get, to reach out to servers to be able to get mm-hmm. their activation licenses and things like that. So really, I mean, on one hand, I understand publishers and software creators need to get paid, and they need to protect their intellectual property, and that is that is important. But consumers are not businesses, and treating them like a business where they expect to get software on a license basis, and they're going to throw it away when they get done with it. Mm-hmm. That's not the way consumers work. Yeah, yeah, and the consumer doesn't have a three-year recycle plan. Yeah, that, like every three years, I'm going to go and get a new computer. I'm going to go get new software for it. I'm going to go do all that. You know. You know, the average consumer wants to buy their thing and they want to use it, you know, until they find a replacement, if they ever find a replacement. Well, but I mean, even even more than that, if if I want to use a CRT until it just falls apart or a car Mm -hmm. until it falls apart, that's my decision. I should be able to do that. And a business has reasons that, that, you know, liability and stuff like that. They don't want to do that stuff. I don't need someone to get me into a subscription model where they're going to, in order to still be able to use this thing that maybe I find, you know, essential to my life, uh, power and um, the internet and things Mm -hmm. like that uh, are all examples of things where we've had to go to a point that, that we're almost like... You you can't say that people can't have this because they rely on this now yeah. to do functions of their lives. Yeah. So, I mean, video games, not the same thing. Um, uh, th- that's just like a commodity that you don't mm-hmm. need. But when it comes down to, like, being able to have a job or something like that, you need to be able to know how to use certain software. It's become yeah. an, a standard uh, you need to be able to work within certain operating systems. It's become a standard. And you can find other alternatives that sometimes within the open source community that allow you to have it. But the, the, bringing it back around to this, it, if everything's targeted towards being like some sort of streaming platform mm-hmm. and taking away your ability to have like books and knowledge, that makes companies the gatekeepers of creativity and knowledge 
and the, the your ability to do things within the greater world and you have to pay them a tax to be able to do that that's yeah. moving towards a dystopian future that I don't really want to be a part of it's kind of like a crazy concept but we're all in on it Like we're raising generations of, of people that are just in on this we're this is great we're going to do that that's the way it's supposed mm-hmm. to be I'll pay you 50 bucks to be able to get gems for this game yeah you know, but, but you need food to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> you should be paying that money to eat so yeah um do you have anything else you want to say about that? No, I, I get what you're saying. There's there's certainly a level somewhere of where do we like where does the line get drawn on what is a necessity in technology and what isn't, and the things that are necessities probably need to be protected, and the things that aren't necessities need to really be thought about as not being a necessity because mm-hmm. there are plenty of people. You know, when we start talking about. Know, premium currencies and, and things like that. I know it's, it's a little bit further off from where the topic started, but you know, I know people. You know, my mother is one of them that's like, oh, I'm going to get these little premium currencies to play my little Scrabble game, and it's like, yeah, but at the same time, you're also talking about how like, man, it'll be so nice when I I sell my house because I don't have to pay that bill. It's like you could also just stop buying premium currency. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's. It, it's yeah, it's that weird run that like somehow they found a way to like charge, not like just for fun, but like additional fun. Yeah, it's like you know, and no one no one squawks at okay, well a game should cost money. No one squawks at oh I'm gonna go see a movie and that costs money. Yeah, but now like, I'm gonna pay for the game and the game's fun, but it could be more fun if I spent more money. And yeah, it really is just some. You're right, almost I don't maybe not dystopian, but it's just some sort of weird concept. That well, like you're you're paying for fun that that like you create like you've bought a fun thing but it's not fun enough so go spend more money to make it more fun for a brief amount of time for so you to spend more money later for it to be even more fun again for a brief amount of time. Like, well, that, I mean that plays off the addiction cycle that that yeah. people can have from the pleasure response. The same thing as the Pavlovian response of a dog, um, and sometimes that's okay. If if you're able to control that response, mm-hmm. but if you if you get a whole a whole generation of people uh, globally who respond that way, you suddenly have the ability to kind of control them, and that's scary. Um, and it's it, it it's very it's a very bad thing. It's not there's no nothing nothing positive about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 other thing I think about it is that so as example, I used to be able to go for for less than it would cost for me to get a meal, I was able to go get movie and popcorn, things like that. Yeah. Get some gas. Mm-hmm. Now we have we have a situation where and we don't we haven't thought about it, but the way that we've allowed inflation to happen. Yeah. Because you can't control these things. I mean, China's done it. Um, and other countries do it. Uh, the UK has had some some things that they've done to, to control these things. But the the you you control these things. You know, gasoline was less than fifty cents when when I first learned how to drive a car. It's now almost three dollars a gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was always like a dollar fifty in a, like a liter in Europe. 
Yeah. And then and, and they didn't really do a good job of controlling that. Not that gasoline was necessarily the best, um, you know, solution to yeah. to transportation, uh, considering the the pollutants and problems like that that it causes. But my my point is. When you start looking at things where you're like, okay, well, I need a, I need a car to get to my job. Mm-hmm. The government doesn't build a proper infrastructure that works in a timely manner to allow me to get from point A to point B. And I'm a poor person, so I have to spend most of my income on... I have to decide between food and transportation. Yeah. This, that, you know, and, and then you start throwing in, like, co- allowing companies to do stuff like this where they can kind of get you into a spot where you feel like you need these things because mm-hmm. of some sort of pleasure response situation they put yeah. you into, then you're, start, you're starting to go down a, a, a road that starts getting really dicey. And globally, yeah. we're allowing that We've got that a problem overall with ways sanitation compared to inflation. And I mean, even outside of commodities. We've still got the problem. I know it's a, a political hot button. I generally don't get very political on these shows. But, you know, we've still got problems with minimum wage for most areas. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't buy into a set minimum wage for everybody, but I think I've mentioned it before. You know, I, I really don't see why we should allow a minimum wage that's lower than the poverty level. Yeah. Because essentially, you know, we're, we're telling some people, hey, maybe, you know, you've got a problem. You can't work in a higher level job or maybe just... You know, you were kind of born unlucky and never developed skills to have more than a minimum wage job. And, okay, you're going to work 40 hours a week minimum wage. Or realistically, you're going to work 30 because they don't want to give you benefits. But, you know, you're working the equivalent of full-time at minimum wage. But at the same time, hey, go get food stamps because that's not going to pay you enough not to be in poverty. Mm-hmm. So we're just telling the people, like, you know, I, I don't want to name any particular company because I don't like know what their costs are. But like, we're going to just say, like, generic grocery store. Like not Walmart, and mm-hmm. just like some places paying minimum wage, it's basically saying, "All right, I'm going to pay you scraps," and but then the government's going to have to subsidize you to be able to live. Yep. You know, we're, the idea that we can we're, we're letting that happen is just always kind of blowing me away because it's in like you're just double dipping. It's like okay, well, we're not going to make the company hiring the person pay them enough to live, so we're going to need to use tax dollar money to get them back up. And when you're at that point that you're like on government assistance, where is your income to be able to invest in yourself to get better? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, it's it's uh, and and if we if we mandate that you have to raise the minimum wage, then the company starts just charging the consumer for it. So you're back in the back, especially if they provide a necessary thing. So like you know, baby food, hmm. it goes from being a dollar a jar to being three dollars a jar. You know, and then you know the the people that are fronting the cost of the minimum rate wage increase are not mm-hmm. is not the company; it's the the consumer. And suppose that your employee's pregnant and just had a baby, then your employee's back in the same spot that they were before because they're having to yeah. pay an increased amount of cost. Well, so. there's there, there's a lot of economics around that. I'll say that is that's kind of how I used to think about it until I started reading through and looking at a lot of data and in a lot of places that have increased the minimum wage to a reasonable level, that generally hasn't happened. Um, you don't see too much increase in the cost of the product. Now, I think it's maybe not the case for when we start talking about places like New York that are saying, hey, everybody's minimum wage should be like 15 or 18 bucks. Um, 
I think I've talked about that before too. That like that's great for New York City because that is kind of what you need to live mm-hmm. in New York City. That's not so great for like rural North Carolina. Yeah. You know that's a that's a good amount of money for like a a southern state most of the time. Well, so, that that that's exactly what I'm saying. Like if you talk about across the board, so like if we went to yeah uh, the federal, federal minimum, minimum wage, wage yeah. is is what I'm talking about. Not not state minimum wage. Mm-hmm. If we talk about uh, if we talk about something like that, someone's going to pay that bill. Yeah, that's and, true. And and it's not it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be a thing where regard. I mean, look, we we increased taxes and costs on certain companies and they instead of hiring more people or giving that back to their employees where you know the they they like you know oh well we'll we'll hire more people to offset this thing that's happening or mm-hmm. you know they started looking in ways of automating stuff They're like well yeah. yeah we have to pay our employees more okay let's just have fewer employees mm-hmm. you know um so that that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, we we don't want to we the well we can't raise prices because consumers won't buy our stuff anymore because it's not necessary. So we get rid of the employees, and then that's an that's an absolute fact of things that have happened. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, There's places yeah. looking at automation for that. And it'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes. Um, you know, I know they're like McDonald's is doing like the kiosks and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which some people are enjoying and some people aren't. It seems like it's. It's the same way as really anywhere else. You gotta support your infrastructure. If you're not, if you're gonna swap out for automation for your employees, you really have to have good automation. You have to have people taking care of that automation. When they're not, then it falls. It falls well, through. but but if you're, I, I guess I guess the 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 question I have is that the way that we think about these, even some of the economic like mm. forecasts, they sidestep the idea that if you don't take care of your employees then you don't have people i mean it's something that henry ford knew basically hmm. uh, and we're getting off a little bit on the weeds on this <laughs> like we went from sony streaming platform but if you don't if you don't take care of your employees hmm. then nobody then you, your employees can't buy your products yeah basically is what it comes down to and if your employees can buy your products then other people can buy your products so if you don't if we don't look at if we look at shareholder responsibilities mm-hmm. and things like that uh, and, and you know I'm an investor in some companies I want to be able to get dividends but I don't want to die th- knowing on my deathbed that somebody starved to death because they they didn't have money to live because we automated them out of a job or something like that I mean th- mm-hmm. those are like the sort of things that ethically we shouldn't be doing and we just do some mental gymnastics and just kind of sidestep it it's it's craziness but whatever it's we can't live the rest of our lives i suppose always policing the bad people um yeah yeah. well i think i mean these transitions happen constantly there's always industries dying and new industries being born um the real thing i think that we're not doing that we need to be doing is we need to be diverting a lot of our basically like social money when we start mm-hmm. talking about like social benefits into training yeah you know I, I feel like there's a there's a big disservice that we do for people that get on unemployment that's like well prove to me you're applying for a job and it's like okay well i applied for this job but that doesn't help me if my industry's dying you know like if if suddenly tomorrow the world's best self-driving truck comes out and it's so good that over the course of the next year just nobody drives trucks anymore 
you know, it doesn't matter how many jobs that trucker applies for. Like, their industry is gone. They mm -hmm. need to be getting training for a new industry. And I think if we embrace that, it would smooth a lot of this over. I think it would fix a lot of the problems with the people that get stuck in minimum wage jobs. You know, there, there are certain people that are in those situations due to, like, mental or physical limitations, and, you know, that that sucks. And those people will probably always need to have someone helping take care of them, and, you know, whether it's, like, benefits or something else. And I don't think anybody is against that. I think, though, when we start saying, okay, well, you know, you work at a minimum wage, whatever, it got replaced with this, and so now we just expect you to keep applying to that forever, you know, hopefully you get it. If you don't, well, you get so many years of this before we cut you off of this, too. You know, that's not helping anybody. No. Nope. It's, it's costing taxpayers money. It's not doing any good apart from just feeding them. I mean, that's an important part of it. You know, you got to keep that person healthy, but they're, you're not increasing their long-term prospects in yeah. any way. You know, we, I know we've got stuff like Job Corps, which like they, they do do a good job, but we kind of just need that on a larger scale. Yeah. I mean, we need an ability to retrain people because that, that is what sets humans apart from so many other animals is how quickly we can learn. You know, we've got a good brain capacity. Everybody's capable of learning. I mean, when when X dies, we should be ready to say, okay, well, here's Y, Z, and a couple other letters yep. of other careers. What are you thinking about? Let's get you trained up. When we start talking about, hey, we've got massive shortages on electricians and almost all of the trades, yep. you know, why aren't we just taking these, these people that... Yeah, that that, that is a completely up. different thing. There, there's a there's a whole like there's a whole scam that goes on with uh, journeymen and and tradesmen and stuff like that. That that for for on one hand there there are some reasons that we want to make sure. I mean like you don't want your electrician to be like mm. an uh, a, an unskilled you know kind of buffoon, but at the same time you. You, there's just there's a lot of stuff there. I, th I think that goes like way off the rails yeah, at that does. point. Um, but so just just kind of like bringing us back. <coughs> the whole reason we started talking about all this stuff, and I apologize for coughing, um, was that that you know the, this is how we erode those things. Yeah, we we buy into something that's like oh this will be the most convenient greatest thing ever, mm -hmm. and we sell our ability to have knowledge and our power over our own yeah. faculties and over our own things and end up having it just kind of taken away and, and frittered mm -hmm. away. And this is an example of how that can happen on something that's not very important. Yeah. Um, an example of how that can happen on something that is kind of important when it comes to your privacy is smart locks and smart cameras. Mm -hmm. But instead of you buying them, and maybe having a server in your house that controls them or saying, well, you know, I'll whatever with Google. Yeah. And, and we've talked about some of the privacy concerns with that stuff. And sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it's not hmm. for some people. But when it comes down to it, what what if your landlord installed your like when when you go when you get an apartment or a house, it comes with um you know the echo built in or mm -hmm. uh the nest or google home you know mini what whatever they're yeah. they're calling it you know this time or one of the other services it's built in by the construction company that builds your house you own it mm -hmm. or your landlord they put in smart locks and security cameras but they are going to manage it for it for you and they manage it no yeah yeah no, I, I, I mean, I, say I, it right now crazy no. 
Right. But um, that that is a trend, especially in larger cities, mm-hmm. where there are companies that are trying to market to, to landlords, especially rent-controlled landlords, where they're saying, you want to catch people subletting your stuff, which, I mean, that people shouldn't be doing things wrong, yeah. so, you know, wh- whatever, but you do want to catch people subletting your stuff, well, install this smart lock and get the camera, and then you are the person that controls it, so you get the camera feed, you can watch who comes in, and then you can get evidence for whatever you want to present in court when you're trying to evict someone. Yeah. Yeah, just, no. I mean, I get it. I know why they're doing it. I know New York and other places have crazy, almost like tense relationships between landlords and tenants. It's just awful up there. But the idea that I would give someone else the ability to control who enters and leaves my home is insane to me. On, On top of that... You're giving them, you're like if some they 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 just get to spy on you. Yeah, <laughs> like even if it's just the outside, I mean that part doesn't worry me as much. It's still bad, obviously. You shouldn't be giving other people cameras into your house. But like, I'll admit, I my my home has one of those like automatic like keypad like lock sort of things that like you enter a code in and it you know it lets you in. I don't even like that. Because it's like, well, my landlord could just give anybody that code, and then anyone could just undo the deadbolt. You know, granted, it's still our normal lock, so I keep those locked too. But there's like serious security things that just like you're letting another person control entrance into your residence. Yeah. So, so with that, if it, with that though, that's kind of an analog thing. And if I was given the complete autonomy over that mm-hmm. where I had the keys and I, I could because that that requires you have the key yeah, and yeah. then you can program it with the key and stuff like that I'm totally okay with that um, and and the reason I'm okay with that is because you that I mean like it, it provides a service and as long as it's secure there are some security concerns with those types of things but as long as you're willing to accept those problems, that's an analog entry. And it's yeah. not like on some sort of cloud thing that goes yeah, back to no, the server far yeah. away. There's no, getting, hey, someone hacked. Like imagine imagine you're a big landlord. You own like three floors on a building. Okay, someone breaks into your house one day. Or you get a phishing email. And now someone has found access to your cloud. Well, oh, that's awesome. I can now just go steal from three floors worth of people because I have... Access, access to their to homes. Your, to your little cloud. I was like, oh, I'll unlock building. And, you know, apartment 301. Yeah, sure. Middle of the night. That's great. I got the camera feeds. I know they're not home. Yeah. You know, it, it, no, that's insane to me. It, well, so theft is, is one negative consequence. But then when you're talking about things like murder and stalking, you know, I mean, that we're, that we're opening up an, an area here where you're allowing people to have so much more access to security yeah. uh, I mean it's already dangerous enough for certain certain peoples yeah. and and areas you know whether it's globally or just in the US this just seems like a bad idea yeah I mean and here, here's the thing I'll, 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 I don't know how all the different smart locks work I know yours has like a keypad as well so for well, at least those you can let yourself in and out via the keypad I think about like what if I had an apartment in the same building on an apartment for my mom mm-hmm you know, she's older, she's, you know, she's going to be moving in with us because she needs someone to look after her medically. You know, let's say, oh, she, she was supposed to come eat us for lunch. She didn't show up, and it's like 1 o'clock. I better go make sure she's okay. 
And then Mr. Landlord just says, I don't know who this is. I'm not going to let them in the house. Yeah. And now, like, I can't get to my mother who is maybe having a medical issue. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, there's very few things, I think, are just super unnegotiable when we start talking about privacy and security for homeowners. You know, uh, every state has their own, like, castle laws and stuff like that. And, like, well, what's the appropriate response if there's someone hanging out in your yard and they shouldn't be? And, you know, and all that's really up for debate. I, I don't believe controlling the ability of who enters your residence is one of those things that's up for negotiation. With a few key exceptions for, like, law enforcement and stuff like that. Cop needs to get in your house. Cop should be allowed to get in your house. Firefighter says, hey, there's a fire, I'm going to bust down your door, that should be okay, so, I get that. I mean, ha- having having been there, you can a, a cop will get in your house if they want to get in your house. Yeah. Now, if they need to, I should say if they need to, a cop or a firefighter will get in, the, will get in that house. Mm-hmm. They they have the ability and the tools. To yeah, yeah, that's that what happen. I'm saying. And I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I think that makes 100% sense when we start saying that certain government bodies for your safety should be allowed in because they're... For emergency situations, but they don't—they don't need access to a smart lock. Well, exactly. Or That's what I'm getting at. The like idea that. that they wouldn't say, "Well, you know," but also my landlord should have a hundred percent access. No, that so that—that's no. actually against the law. It is like yeah. they, my landlord couldn't just stroll into my house right now. He has to no. inform me he's coming. They ha- you know? have to inform you you're come. They're coming, and they have to make sure it's okay with you because you—you're—you're yeah. you're the resident. Now, mm-hmm. if they wanted to evict you or something like that, they can they can go through and go through the proper channels and do that. But they can't just like yeah. go in. It, yeah. it it blows my mind that like, and I, I get it. You know, it, if it becomes popular in New York and then suddenly half the places to live have it, you as a person that needs to continue to live in New York probably do not have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not necessarily blaming the the people that are renting, but that just seems crazy to me that that would be allowed. Like I, I'd, I'd just move out of New York if I could. If I lived there, I'd just be like, no, that's not, that's not okay. There's too many ways for this to be abused in such negative ways. I mean, there's not a positive here. Like what? So what is maybe your positive? We're saying, okay, you as the the person that owns the building, maybe someone subletting. Okay, yeah, that sucks. Well, that's yeah, against so your lease. But that's not against the law. It well, like, it, it may be against the law. Uh, there, there are some places that that would be against the Maybe, law, but whether but. it's against the law or not, that you like what you're saying is I'm uh, for everyone that's not subletting. So let's suppose that one out of five people sublets. Mm-hmm. For everyone that's not doing an Airbnb, a sublet, or some other mm-hmm. variation on that scam, you're punishing four people. Yeah. To for doing, and you're you're opening those four people up to. All sorts of technologically yeah, insecure. Like all sorts of stuff that you can't like protect yourself from. Yeah. Like you know And you're relying on their ignorance of it of it of what you're doing to that they believe that you have their best interest at heart. Yeah, well I'm not sure the the renters actually believe they have their best interest at heart. I, I mean I I can't imagine anyone think that that's really a super okay thing to do. But I, I guess what really hits me with it is it's like if we take the automated, like if we take the secrecy out, if we we say, okay, instead of this cool little automation that works through the internet, it is the like manual equivalent, your landlord has hired someone to stand outside of your door 24-7 with a video camera, mm-hmm. recording everyone that enters and leaves and opening the door for who they feel like should enter, no one would say that's okay. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. And 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 I think uh, I mean I think ultimately this is a bad idea uh, from a privacy standpoint. From from like a, we generally were we're, we're this, the last two topics we went off like in the weeds on mm-hmm. rights and ethics and and maybe like some political stuff. But the 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 point of it is from a technology standpoint, this is even a bad idea because we don't have security nailed down and there are people that there there are people out there who would find find those flaws and they wouldn't take advantage, they would just report it. But for the most part, there are also a group of really bad actors with great tools that can just bypass all these security all the security yeah, protocols I mean, that you've used for this. Just think about all the time that some ex company gets hacked and it's like oh they've got your email address and it's like that's already a huge inconvenience because you get signed up for stuff and they take your email address and they try and find out the password and then if they find out your password now they're gonna try and log into every bank that exists to see if you know you have an account there etc cetera, etc cetera. like this gets hacked you're potentially just gonna give people the key to other people's homes that's way worse like you steal my email address, I'm pissed. You so you find out someone has stolen all of my house keys and have done it to every, like half the people in my city. Like that's an ec- epidemic. That's yeah. a, like we got to go change all this stuff right now. And you know, and you can't do it. You can't you can't change it all. You know, mm-hmm. it, uh, I mean, it's just it's not physically possible. So I mean, even if you can control it through like an API, okay, well I'm gonna scramble everyone's stuff. Oh hey, sorry, you got locked out of your house for 48 hours because the system was updating. We had to remove your entry because now it's not secure. Something messed up when we set a new code, or you know, like this happens while your landlord is away, or or it fails open instead of failing shut. Yeah, so, that'd like, be a whole other thing. Yeah, that. Yeah. So like then then you can't lock doors and things like that. Gosh, so, I wonder if it has to. Like legally, can it fail shut because that, well, so you don't. Yeah, in in automation, when things when things are broken like that, if you don't have a if if it's completely automated and you have no way like a physical lock mm-hmm. on it has to fail open otherwise yeah, yeah. by like fire code yeah, it yeah. Will, it, it, you're locked in like if it's a mag lock or mm-hmm, something so you mm-hmm. want it to fail open yeah yeah so I don't know that's crazy yep well so that puts us to the end of season 2 episode 18 of the beer and broadband podcast we're glad that you listened to us this time we'd love for you to listen to us next time we've got a twitter where we tweet things occasionally not too often we did just do some brew stuff today so yeah. who knows if we'll put some uh, the results on there and our new our new brewing space we got some mm. new brewing spaces that's pretty yeah. nice um, maybe we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks uh, once we get the uh, the cider that we brewed kind of up and going. So stay tuned for that. And maybe next time we won't have as many downer posts <laughs> on it because I felt like this was a very downer uh, thing. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.